even post injuries and getting old in general. I mean, tennis is unreal. Anybody that watches tennis and thinks it's you know boring or not exciting, the stamina that these guys have to have to be able to bounce around the court and still be able to strike the ball with precision, with accuracy, and with power, it's just it's next level stuff. Just it's not even human, I think, in some in some aspects. But to see Roger get another. Uh, major, I, I have to agree. He probably is the greatest tennis player we've ever seen step foot on grass, clay, or hard court. Yeah, and it's a shame the match was at 2.30 in the morning, but at 9 o'clock they replayed it, so I got to see, see some of it because I was not getting up at 2.30 this time for that. All right, well, it's time for a break here on the Shore Thing. When we come back, we will check in on the stars as they look to start the second the quote-unquote second half of the season even though they've already played 50 games that will be up next and we'll dive into some jerry jones audio what did jerry jones have to say about what he looks forward to in the offense and what is the status of des bryant for next year on the cowboys well the owner and general manager will have his thoughts next year on the short thing on talk All right, we're back here on Talk Radio 1190, The Shore Thing. I'm your host, Warren Shore, alongside Ryan Silva. The Stars uh, start the second half of the season on Tuesday as they host the L.A. Kings. Right now they sit with the record of 28-18-4 with 60 points, so that would put them in the playoffs. They, If they were in the Pacific Division, they'd be second in the Pacific Division, but they're not. Vegas leads the Pacific and all of the Western Conference with 68 points, so they would be the first wild card team there, so they would uh, be stuck playing Winnipeg right now. And the Stars, uh, they seem to be getting a lot of things uh, are clicking at the right time now. I heard Tyler Sagan talk about the team when he was at the All-Star break, saying they're really uh, starting to work things out under Hitch's system. And he likes where the team's headed for the second half, and I look for them to make the playoffs in the second half. Um, right now they're seventh in goals against at two point six, and they're eighth in goals, uh, scoring goals per game, with just around three goals. So the defense is working pretty well this year, and that was their main problem last year under Lindy Ruff. But uh, Ken Hitchcock is working the magic right now for the Stars. Yeah, I mean, coming off the All Star break, the Stars have quite a few winnable games. They could get off to a hot start. They start off with Los Angeles on Tuesday, but then they go Arizona, Minnesota, Rangers, Chicago. I mean, they probably could pull off four, if not all five of those wins and put yeah. themselves right back and, in, I mean, right at the top of things uh, coming straight out of the All-Star break. And the Chicago game's a big one in the division, too, and for the playoffs because they're uh, separated by one point in the standings. So that's a big one. And John Klingberg leads the NHL defenseman in point or in assist with 42 he's been great and he is definitely getting some talk for the norris trophy which is the leading defenseman so that's a little bit of quick stars talk as they come back from the second half of the season as they start the second half of the season we will continue to talk about stars and so now the senior bowl was this week a lot of scouting the big time names were there josh allen baker mayfield got to shine everyone seems to be in love with them now just because they played with them or they were the last thing everyone saw sam darnold josh rosen and lamar jackson were ineligible for the senior bowl because they were not uh seniors or they did not graduate they could have been if you're a fourth year junior and graduate from college 
you are eligible to play in it, but neither of them were. They're all juniors. So with that, Jerry Jones spoke, and he touched a lot of topics, but what I want to talk about is what he talked about, the offense. Now, the Cowboys have a lot of turnover on the coaching staff, but the offensive coordinator of Lenahan, Rob Marinelli, the defensive coordinator, and Jason Garrett all remain the same, the three big coaches. So we're going to listen to a little Jerry audio here, and Jerry is going to explain how he's excited. He's going to talk about how he's excited about the new coaches, but also some continuity uh, for next season. We really wanted to embolden uh, Lenahan to uh, uh, really make it, uh, if you will, Dak, which is what I'm talking about, uh, a lot of flexibility. Uh, Lenahan to Bowden, uh, uh, Lenahan to uh, uh, really make it, uh, if you will, Dak friendly, and uh, uh, use the other top players that we have there on offense to uh, enhance uh, our ability to uh, uh, have um, uh, a lot of flexibility. Okay, what is he talking about? Dak friendly. We're going to cut. There's, we still got a bunch of left, but we're going to pause it when we. Dak friendly. What is Dak friendly? What is flexibility? What is he talking about? Dak friendly to me is throwing down the field. Uh, they need a, to me that is not Dak friendly because that's not what Dak is good at. Right, right. No, that's what I'm saying. That, that's what he's trying to stay away from. That's why Dez wasn't as. Uh, uh, he wasn't. What they needed him to be because he he's a downfield guy. He you throw the ball up and he's going to get it. That's what I, that's what I'm saying is. Uh, you want to eliminate downfield throws. They didn't have Zeke. They didn't have Zeke for those dump-offs. Uh, defenses were keen in on Ke- Cole Beasley, where he picked up a ton of yards last year from these little five-yard dump-offs, and he'd find the first down marker. So that's what I think he means by a, a Dak-friendly offense. Is you need more of a West Coast kind of running gun, just quick shot, like, kind of like what he ran at Mississippi State, just a spread offense, really. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll continue with Jerry. Right now, it says it's playing. Hold on, <laughs> couple te- technical difficulties. Yeah. Maybe it's loading. Well, this is good. This is all right. Well, hold on. Well, but okay. So this thing is DAC friendly to me. Like I just said, I don't understand what that means. Like, what? Um, you want to keep throws ten yards or shorter? Is exactly what Dak friendly means. Like I said, you want that Jason Witten little find the first down marker, turn around and just sit, and Dak's going to find him open. You want these little slants, slant and go, not slant and goes, just these little slant routes from Cole Beasley. You want guys coming across the middle, uh, Bryce Butler types. When you have guys going deep, defenses know they're not going to be able to. They're going to be able to stop it nine times out of ten if Dak's throwing the ball. Uh, all right, we after a quick technical difficulty, we're back. With everyone's favorite owner and general manager, have um, uh, a lot of flexibility, um, uh, and uh, I think the uh, the background of the position coaches that we brought in uh, on the offensive side of the ball, which is what I'm talking about right now, uh, will give us. Uh, uh, we'll be able to extend, extend our playbook, and we'll be able to do some things that we haven't been doing. All of that was what we had in mind when we made the changes we made. All right, so the flexibility with position coach. He's going to get to a thing with Kellen Moore. What does Kellen Moore have to do with the quarterback's coach? But I guess 
we should just listen to Jerry on what he thinks about Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore for sure, the quarterback's coach. Well, I don't want to uh, get ahead of an overall announcement, but uh, uh, we, um, uh, uh, I'm glad uh, uh, that we're going to have Kellen with us in the future. And what? We'll, uh, uh, we'll get down to the specific announcements on that, but uh, we've, um, uh, we have completed an agreement with uh, Kellen. You say make the whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. How can you start off a sentence by saying, "Oh, we don't want to come to an agreement. We don't want to. I don't want to say if we officially did it." But then, it, midway through the thing, you say, "Well, we've completed an agreement with Kellen. Why don't you just so pretty much you just announce that Kellen Moore is going to be the quarterback coach I think without officially announcing it?" I think because he wants to try to avoid scrutiny. It sounds like in this script or in this audio clip. Jerry's been a little deep in the blue label, and he's trying, <laughs> yeah. to, he's trying to say something without saying it. But like you said, I think he's just trying to kind of say that Kellen Moore is going to be the quarterback's coach moving forward without actually saying it so he doesn't catch the flack, so he doesn't catch the scrutiny. Because everybody knows this is a head-scratcher of a move. And just because this guy's been in the system for, what, three, four, five years, that doesn't – I mean – like three years. Three years. I, I mean, think they, yeah. they say those who can do, those who can't teach. So maybe that's the the road they're taking with Kellen Moore here. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a head scratcher of a sentence. I don't want to say anything moving forward with Kellen Moore, but we did come to an agreement. Maybe that's saying that, that's leaving room for interpretation. Maybe he's being brought on as assistant type, but not full blown quarterbacks coach. But the bigger thing is he says, oh, with the position coach we're bringing in, it's going to expand our playbook. Kellen Moore was in the system the past three years. Last time I, what's he going to bring in that his own now that he's in the coaching room till he gets to give his philo- philosophy on offense? Like he's bringing what? in the Boise State playbook. Oh, maybe he's got on. the Statue of Liberty plays. Going. Okay, yeah, but <laughs> no, this makes, this, I, this makes no sense. Well, we're going to run an offense that a six footer can see, and just a bunch of bootleg rollouts so you can't see over the line. Like to me, this makes absolutely no sense. Like, he's a quarterback coach. He works hand-in-hand with the offense. And there's another clip I was listening to. We can't get to it. When he brought, They brought in a new wide receiver coach. He escapes my name right now. And also, he escapes Jerry's name because he couldn't. Jerry couldn't say who he was. But he's saying this guy's got great route concepts, and he's going to design routes. When's the last time you've ever heard a wide receiver coach designing routes? How many new route routes are there? Are you going to run like the circle route? Like just run in a circle and then go? A circle go? Or like, what? There's the curl, the in, the, the slant, the yeah. post, and the fade. Yeah. And the up and out. What, like, how many more routes can there be? So, I mean, they call it the route tree for a reason. Yes. This guy ain't designing any new route trees. All right. Back to Jerry. Offense more Dak friendly. What does that look like? Well, again, uh, we don't want to. Uh, uh, and I wouldn't get the same. Hold on. First of all, I want to say there was a reporter in there in the middle of that. I cut it out who asked about Ryan Switzer and how he did last year in the senior bowl. That is not the time to ask about Ryan Switzer in the middle of the offensive thing. Okay. Wait till these guys, you guy asked Dak friendly. The follow-up should be what's a Dak friendly offense. Not, Oh, how great was Ryan Switzer? He was great. He made the all rookie team. Because it uh, is something that would be in progress, but I think it will be something that uh, can make adjustments, uh, which we all, uh, looking back, would be critical of not making adjustments. But I think the offense will uh, have adjustments. I think it will have adjustments by design throughout the season, and I think you'll see an expanded playbook. Okay. We'll have to take a break. But when we come back, well, what, what did he just say? Adjustments. 
All right. A lot of keywords. We'll we'll hold it. We'll hold our take. Back here on a Sunday night on the Shore Thing, Talk Radio 1190 Warren Shore, alongside Ryan Silva. You can follow us on Twitter at the Shore Thing, S-C-H-O-R-R is how you spell it. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at W, my last name, Shore, S-C-H-O-R-R. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Silva. But when you get to the V, it's U-H-H. Yeah, got to change it up. Uh, Somebody <laughs> ticked Ryan Silva, and the guy doesn't even tweet. Uh, so if you're listening out there, Ryan Silva, you're probably not. Just let me have it. <laughs> All right. So we'll get that there. And also tune in. If you catch, miss any of the episodes, hit subscribe on iTunes or the podcast app at The Shore Thing. All right. So we are talking about Jerry Jones. Uh, listening to some audio, him at the... Senior Bowl. First of all, he's got to be the most clueless GM in the his in, in NFL in the NFL right now. That's absolutely what I was going to say. Jerry Jerry Jones sounds so out of touch with the team right now, which could be a good thing for the Cowboys, meaning he's kind of taking a hands off approach and yeah. letting Steven. Well, and no, yeah, just letting Steven, letting some of these other guys that are supposed to do this do it. But if you're the GM, you got to be a little bit more in tune with what your team wants, all your team needs, your coaching staff, and things like that. Where like I said, it, it's probably a good thing if Jerry Jones is backing off that a little bit, but give up the GM title, give up the president title, get some footballer football guys in there, and just be an owner. I know it's well, going to be hard for Jerry, but the older you get, the, you don't have the energy or yeah. maybe even the drive to want to. Well, the thing, too, is it's you could tell he's listening more to Steven because, look, Jerry had the card for Johnny Manziel written and ready to go, but Steven called him off and pretty much said that didn't happen. That's a huge step. Excuse me, and taking the offensive lineman. So he's starting to let Steven and Will McCray, one of the uh, pro personnel guys, he didn't leave the Houston. That was a big thing for them. So starting to let some other people make the decisions rather than the drafting has gotten a little better since he's listened to other people. Okay, so he's saying adjustments. Okay, they got killed in the second half in that three-game losing streak in adjustments. They scored seven. They, they had held under ten points in three games. But still, okay, if you're making adjustments, shouldn't you fire the head coach or the offensive or the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator that are supposed to be making adjustments? Not what adjustments is a quarterback coach or the DB's coach or these guys going to make? They're looking up to their top of their coaches and the coordinators about making adjustments and when they're not doing it, those guys should be gone. To me that makes no sense. Why change the positional coaches, when the ones you want to see changes this, are the coordinators, the head coach, and you keep them. Yeah, I that one's lost on me. I'm not sure. Uh, like I said, the receivers coach from last year, he became the offensive coordinator at Missouri. So Sanjay Lal is going to be the new receivers coach. We're trying to find That's out. That's who it is, yeah. Sanjay Lal, yes. Which I've never heard of this guy. A lot of times these these receivers and position coaches are guys that have played in the NFL. And he had no idea who he was, too. Yeah, exactly. I thought Miles Austin was going to get it. That's what it sounded like they were uh, leaning to. That would have been interesting. Because he was a... Uh, he helped them out. He was an advisor. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not quite sure. I think it's just Jerry having too much faith in uh, Jason Garrett and letting Jason Garrett make the moves as far as it goes for his coaching staff, whereas Jason Garrett himself probably is on the hot seat this year, even if Jerry Jones doesn't want to say so. Yes, I agree. All right, so well, now we get into the Des Bryant, everyone's favorite cowboy right now. We get What does Jerry think about Des Bryant? Is Dez still a Dak-friendly wide receiver going forward in your mind? Well, good again, qu- that's a good question. Yeah, I love we that question. Are, uh, I've said this. I'm so 
proud of Des, uh, proud of where he is today uh, uh, with us. Uh, I believe Des to be uh, have a lot of gas in the tank. Uh, I know that uh, we need to improve across the board with our receivers. He's right. I think we will. Uh, but uh, uh, in doing so, it should uh, create good opportunity for Des. Jerry Jones said absolutely nothing there. <laughs> I know. That, he was, that was a prime politician filibustering answer where he said absolutely nothing about if he thinks Dez is in a quote-unquote Dak-friendly offense, which was a great question. It was worded perfectly by that reporter. Uh, uh, but he literally said nothing about Dez, where he thinks Dez fits in in this offense, where he thinks Dez fits in the Cowboys organization moving forward, what they think, what their plans are to do with Dez in this offense. He literally said none of that. And we're going to accept that answer just because, you know, you don't want to you don't want to make Jerry mad or whatever or agitate him as as a local reporter. But that th- that question was not answered at all. Good job by Jerry, I guess, by keeping it mild. But at the same time, give us something. Give Cowboy fans something to either look forward to or kind of keep an eye on. But I guess that's what he, he wants to. He said he's to- got gas in the tank. Yeah, okay. Awesome. Everyone's got gas <laughs> Everyone's in the tank. Everyone's got gas in the tank. If you don't have gas in the tank, you're retiring. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, I mean, great no answer by Jerry. I just – so that that answer gave you nothing of what is to come for Dez, where I think they just need to move on from Dez. They, you know, they could move Dez for probably a third-round pick. No, right it's going to be more than that. You think a second round? Second no, I mean like higher. Oh, you think like four or five? I think fifth. Because yeah, that contract – Yeah, that lot. contract That's is brutal. the thing. Yeah, that the contract is brutal. Bad. But okay, the thing there, he's happy. The only thing he said is he's happy. Dez as a person is better. He's happy. He's got a pet monkey in Dallas. He's happy. He's. I would wonder if he still has a personal security guard following him around. Like you really haven't heard any Dez off the field issues in a in a while. So that was the only thing that Jerry said he was happy about. But now we get into the contract discussion because Steven said they would hope to get a pay cut for him coming into this season. Well, Jerry over the top. No, that's not happening. So you expect us to be with the team in 2018? Well, he's on the uh, everybody that we've got under contract right now. I expect to, uh, uh, and I'm not uh, addressing anyone, but everybody we've got under contract that's uh, got years left on their contract. I'm expecting to be with the team. All right, another no answer. Another no answer. Gosh. But he did went on and say uh, that he's he doesn't think Des is going to take a pay cut. But that was more, too, along the lines of Demarcus Lawrence, Anthony Hitchens. The problem is they're under contract right now for, like, another month and a half. Mm-hmm. They're under contract until the league year starts, what, May 10th? Or, no, March. March 10th. March yeah. 10th, yeah, March, yeah, March. 10th. Um, that's when they're under contract from. But, like, they're going to have to franchise Demarcus Lawrence. They want to bring in some wide receivers, but the problem is they don't have any money to spend. Yeah, I saw Jarvis Landry links. No, he's a fourteen million. He's yeah, a ten no to fourteen million yeah, guy. Not, not a chance. Not unless you move Dak and you can get, or excuse me, Dez and get off that contract. You're bringing somebody in like that. But, but why would you want to bring Landry in when you need to uh, give Zach Martin his contract? Don't you need Anthony Hitchens on the defensive side? Like all that money should be going to Martin, Hitchens, and Lawrence. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Lawrence is fine with the franchise tag. So why not franchise him? And then spend your money on Hitchens because he can walk. And I, if I'm him, highest offer. And there's going to be a lot of money offered for him as a good linebacker. And this receiver class is pretty deep. Like, there's a lot of good. You don't need a receiver in the first round because guess what? A lot of receivers that are in the first round don't really pan out. Antonio Brown, sixth rounder. 
yeah, you got Julio, Odell Beckham, but other than that, a lot of the guys are second, third, fourth-round guys that you can get that. I mean, the Cowboys have a guy on their roster right now in Des Bryant that hasn't been what they thought yeah. they were going to get when they drafted him out of Oklahoma State in the first round. So I agree. that This receiver uh, class is deep, and you need to get away from Des uh, the Dez style of player, you know, the guy that's going to go down to the field. As long as Dax can be your quarterback, you need to keep that intermittent passing game alive. And if teams are going to be able to find that out, look, you have an answer with Zeke. He can run over guys. He can run through guys. He can run by guys if you get him the ball in the open field. So I think the best case scenario is somehow the Cowboys finding a way to get rid of da- or Dez and his contract. God, how many times are going to do that? Dez and <laughs> yeah. just... Build a, if you're going to build around Dak, you need to get receivers in here that are going to be yeah, the, these but, guys that okay, win so one-on-one battles over the middle. You get rid of them. Who do you bring in? You can't just let Terrence William be the number one. No, I mean, you draft a guy. I don't know. I mean, Well, you can't have a rookie be a number one. Yeah, especially especially if you have a young running back and, and quarterback. I mean— uh, They're not young anymore. They're going to their third year. Okay. Right. Age-wise, they're young, but in the league, they're going in their third year. I, I mean, Terrence Williams, he I think he averaged three or four yards less this year receiving than he did last year, so who knows what he could do in a number one role. I don't know. It, it's a tough situation for the Cowboys, and good luck to them if they can figure it out. But like you said, they have they owe a lot, of guy, a lot of guys a lot of money and guys that they need to keep on this team. Yes, and then when just... When they get to that fifth year of Zeke and Dak, it, the cap is going to just be a disaster. And they just they keep throwing the – kicking the can down the line for some of these guys. Well, once they can get rid of Jason Witten's contract, that'll for give sure. him a lot and of – sure, he needs to renegotiate. Yeah. Because right now he's a refrigerator that pretty much just wobbles out on the field. Look, he's great. I'm not taking anything away from him. But right now he's like a 10-yard – curl guy, maybe run an in move. But other than that, mm-hmm. it's a 10 yards and just – run for about three or four more, and then fall over. Give him the Peyton Manning deal. Restructure his contract and give him yes. everything in a signing bonus. You know yes. that, That's what that's what they need to do there because right now he's on the Kobe contract, the legacy contract. For and sure, so. and that's what the problem with Jerry is. Mm-hmm. He gives him the legacy contract, and then he, he's given Dak, or uh, not Dak, Des the uh, legacy contract of saying we're not going to renegotiate. Yeah. Renegotiate and put the cap number down the line. Like Try and do that, open up some cap space. Because there are some good receivers out there that you can sign. Like Allen Robinson's coming off an ACL. You can get him maybe six, seven million a year. Like that's not a bad deal. There's some guys out there in free agency wide receiver wise. Paul Richardson's a guy that's a really good receiver. Yeah, I really like from him. the Seahawks. It's a number three up there that he's going to get a nice payday. Like there are quality receivers out there that you could bring in. And look, they're going to try and bring in Earl Thomas. Where are they going to pay Earl Thomas? Like to me, that makes it seems like it's a foregone conclusion that he's coming here. But where are they going to get the money? Yeah, unless they trade for him. Yeah. Well, I think he's still he's still he's not a free agent. He's no, he's still under contract, but they could release him because his cap number's so high. To me, that all right, whatever. That's just (laughs) that is this week in Jerry at the Senior Bowl. He'll talk again at the Combine, so he'll have another doozy of audio. But there's one more thing I want to say about the Jerry audio. I wish I would have I cut it out, but they asked him. About the Eagles, and he Jerry said he was proud that yeah. an NFC East team was in the Super Bowl. That is ridiculous. This isn't college football. You don't root for conferences. You're and, not the SEC. Yeah, you in, don't root for conferences and and in in conference rivals. In the NFC East, it doesn't mean more. It's not like the SEC where it just means more. It doesn't matter. 
Because guess what? The Cowboy fans are not happy that the Eagles are in the Super Bowl. I'll tell you, this has been an electric topic on the Redskin message boards this week. Has it? Or this last couple weeks. People getting called fake fans because they want to see Philadelphia win <laughs> and just name calling left and right because if you're, you want to see the Eagles win. But I mean, for a lot of fans, especially Cowboys, Redskins, and Giants fans, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Because it's, it's a Patriots. If it was exactly, any other team, you could else. root for the easier team. Easy. Yes. But I will say this. Look, I will grant Cowboy fans a waiver in rooting for the Eagles because of the Patriots. And any NFC East team. And the other the other conversation coming up is, oh, once the Eagles have a trophy, then it just makes our conference look better because the the uh, Cowboys have five. The, Ca- no, the Giants have that's four. The worst. That's the worst. I that's hate that worst. argument. That I hate is that the argument. Worst. I love as a Redskins fan. I love being able to look at an Eagles fan or the Eagles in general and say you don't have a Lombardi Trophy, and I want to be able to keep that going as long as possible. You guess what? You can't say that to this Browns fan because we have eight championships. All right, when we come back here on the short thing on Talk Radio eleven ninety. We'll talk baseball Hall of Fame. Four guys made it, including one of my uh, favorite players. Uh, ever, and then we'll have our one short thing going into the week. That's all right. Last segment here on the short thing talk radio 1190. Warren, Sean, Ryan Silva here with you. Like we said, we're gonna postpone our Super Bowl talk, we're gonna do about a 20 minute. A special podcast thing that will be on iTunes and SoundCloud this week. Uh, Probably around Wednesday or Thursday, so be on the lookout for that. All right, Baseball Hall of Fame announcement came down Wednesday. Four players made it. Don't think there were really any surprises here. Excuse me. uh, Chipper Jones, he got the highest percentage of vote at about 98.7. Vlad Guerrero also got in. He got in at around 90%. Jim Tomey got in. No surprise there. 88%. And then Trevor Hoffman got in. The closer for the San Diego Padres. Uh, He got in at just 78%. You have to have 75% that make it. Edgar Martinez was the closest. 25 votes shy. He enters his final season of eligibility next year. To me, Edgar should be in. I don't... Look... Stop complaining he didn't play defense. He just created the position. You're going to put David Ortiz in the Hall of Fame, no doubt about it. Edgar Martinez had an on-base percentage of 418. That's unheard of. Get the guy in. Get the guy in. The DH is an official position in baseball. So just because that's the the, only, the guy's only job is to hit the ball and he does it well, shouldn't be a uh, a knock against him. You know what I mean? The, if you're not going to be able to vote in DHs, take away the DH. I know that's you know wild and that's never going to happen. But at the same point, Edgar Martinez did a great job uh, as the DH for the Mariners for the longest time. I mean, I remember watching him and Brett Boone when I was growing up. You know, John Olerud, those guys, and Edgar Martinez just always seemed to get it done. It's it's crazy that he hasn't been able to get in yet. You know, like I said, he came in with what seventy three percent, as I've said, uh, seventy seventy percent. I, I I don't know. The guy needs to be in the in the Hall of Fame. Get him in there. But yeah, like you said, the other four that did make it, not a shocker. Trevor Hoffman was one of the best closers in the game. Arguably the second best closer to ever play the game. The second most saves. 
How are you going to keep that guy out? When people are saying Hoffman doesn't belong in, he had the second most saves ever. You're telling me this guy doesn't belong in the history of baseball? Like, some of these people are ridiculous. And he came into the league as a shortstop. Yeah. That's even that's what gets me. Vlad Guerrero, he was the only one that I could have questioned. I mean, the guy was great. He hit, I believe he hit 500 home runs in his career. He'd hit balls off the ground, and he'd swing at everything. Jim Tomei, uh, I saw a great stat. I, I was looking for it during the break. It was, uh, he had a... In 102 less plate appearances, he hit the exact same number of home runs as David Ortiz. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. And it's, there's a bunch of, there's like four other things that he did. Uh, his at bat per home run was put him up there with yes. Ruth, Mays, and I yes. think Barry Bonds. He was fourth. And so when you see numbers like that, you're, you're like, okay, yes, put, put this guy in. And obviously, Trooper Jones, probably one of the best, if not the best switch hitters to ever play the game. Was- um, you know, he was an integral part of those mid '90s Braves teams, and just an absolute Met killer. Named his kid Shea because he hit so many home runs at Shea. I think that's hilarious. I love it. Say what you will about the guy off the field and in the locker room, he didn't always have the best uh, relationships with writers. But hey, who does? Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, he batted 300 from both sides of the plate, right. lefty and righty, and still hit 300 home runs. Yes, and so yeah, you got you. That guy absolutely has to be in 98. percent I think that's anybody that left him off the. Uh, Ballot probably had some kind of personal, or they're thing just with doing him. it to do, to uh, just because they don't want anyone to be unanimous, right. which to me is ridiculous. But the steroid guy, oh, Jim, told me to me he was my favorite player growing up in Cleveland. Uh, wore number twenty five, the socks high. That's what he did. Uh, we still, call those the hitting boots. Still, you did? Oh yeah, okay. the hitting boots. Whenever he got the the socks high, those were the hitting still boots. Still had uh, he like the team wearing the socks high in ninety seven pretty much made him go to the World Series. Uh, that. Uh, Got them going. Still have the Jim Tomey Pro Baseball Dice game. Dusted that sucker off a little bit I on Wednesday that. night. <laughs> on Wednesday night. Got that going for about five minutes. Uh, but I have a uh, Jim Tomey story. It was it was my seventh grade cross-country meet, like our district championship meet or whatever. So your seventh or eighth grade. We were at Chipotle uh, in Lynnhurst at Legacy Village, if anybody knows where that is. Um, we were in Chipotle. We were in the line. And I was there with my dad and walks in. He like looks, he walks in. He's like, look behind you. Look, look behind you. Look who it is. And I was like, who is that? I, I don't know who it is. And he's like, look again. I had no idea. I should have known. I guess I just took a quick, quick glance. He's like, that's Jim Tomey. And I like looked again. I was like, oh, that is him. So then like I did, that was before the smartphones, anything like that, where you could say, hey, you think I get a picture or anything like that? What am I going to get, a Chipotle napkin autographed or a cup? Or, hey, sign my foil of my burrito or whatever? No. Hey, that'd be pretty awesome. That you would, Chipotle burrito. Should have <laughs> done that. But I was staking around the cashier uh, when he did pay, and he ordered two bean burritos, left, and got in a limo and was out of there. So that's that. But I'm excited that Jim's in there. Also excited he's going in as an Indian because, look, if he would have gone in as a Philly, White Sox, Twins, whatever, who else he played, that would have been a soul crusher considering the Indians have a statue of him outside the stadium. I mean, how can you not go in with the Indians if they have a statue for you out there? But, yeah. Uh, the, the one, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, I'm just going to go back over to Vlad Guerrero real quick. The head scratcher for me is him going in as an angel. I thought for uh, yeah. sure an expo. Why we not? Be an expo. I don't understand that. That's a, that's a slap across the face to the expos there. I agree. But the steroid guys, Bonds and Clemens, they got two years left, I think, two or three years left on the ballot. And people uh, make their ballots public ahead of time, and there's trackers. They were tracking at about 64 65%. 
of the public ballots before the final uh, ballot came out, they only ended up at 56%, yeah. 57%. And they've been steadily going up, but it does – I mean, they have three years left, but it is not looking good right now for Bonds and Clemens and Schilling. People are leaving Schilling out because of what he's been saying on TV lately. Yeah, he's yeah he's his. taking a hit because of that, right or wrong. Don't think that should matter, but you know what? People are taking him out because of that. But Clemens and Bonds, I don't. I don't think that doesn't get. They're not going to make it, and that to me is kind of sad that they're not going to make it. Look, they're look fine. They did steroids. Okay, who wasn't doing them then? I mean, I. No offense to you, but I wouldn't be surprised if eventually came out Jim Tomey was. That guy was huge. Oh, no, 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 no. I totally agree. I was going to say, look, Tomey never was connected, but look at him in 1995 and look at him when he retired. I understand you get bigger as age goes on, but my God, that dude is huge now. And even in his playing days, he's big. Look, I've, I, yeah, if he come out and it came out that he did steroids, look, I won't be pleased, but I will not be shocked at all. The one that surprised me on the list that he got so low was Manny Ramirez, 27%. I get it. He did steroids. But some of these guys, what's going to happen is there's, these old writers are going to stop, are going to lose their votes, and then a bunch of new writers are going to start gaining votes. Mm-hmm. It's like 500 people that vote for the Hall of Fame. Right. And that's when these steroid guys are going to start um, getting, in. getting in. But the problem is the baseball hall hasn't really set any – description for them on how to vote like they say vote how you choose to vote and they're not really giving any guidance to the voters look it's now become known as a steroid era whatever it may be but you know stare okay steroids aside go all the way back to the 50s 60s 70s guys were taking what they called greenies which was giving them energy so so they could play day in and day out that's a performance enhancer so you can't – there's been guys that have been – I mean, the spitball, the Gaylord Perry spitball, yes. that's a performance enhancer. So you can't just say, oh, steroid. if you took steroids or were linked to steroids, you're not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Because no matter what, across the entire time of baseball, there have been PED users. Maybe not always in the form of anabolic steroids, but there has been something to get guys over the hump of the daily grind of 140, 150, 162-game season – Throughout the entire history of baseball, and those guys are getting in z- no problem. I agree. I the hall put a stero- You cannot write the story of the history of baseball without talking about steroids. Yeah, and I've never been to Cooperstown, but I've been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And look, I get it. Look, those guys are doing steroids right now. It's just not banned. But do you have every you? They have it from the. Uh, it's the Professional Football Hall of Fame. They have the AAFC there back from the 40s. From the start, they have it to the Super Bowl era. And now, like, you have to write the story of the game with what it came. And look, baseball was terrible the way they handled the steroids. And now they're not the pro football or the pro baseball Hall of Fame is separate from MLB. I don't know if people realize that, but it's different. It's separate. There's just no guidance. And that's the biggest problem right now. All right, so we'll finish off the show here. Last couple minutes with the sure thing for the week. My sure thing of the week is going to be you are going to want to tune into social media for the Philly versus Patriot fans in Minnesota. There are going to be some doozies of some videos uh, throughout the week from what's going on in Minneapolis. And also, there's going to be some good videos 
from Vikings fans with the Eagles fans. There's a little subplot here of the Eagles beating the Vikings, and I guarantee you minimum of at least 50 fights there's going to be there. A minimum. I've already seen signs at Minnesota bars that say Eagles fans come in here to have a free beer thrown at you. I saw that. I saw that. So that's my thing. Minimum of 50 fights in Minneapolis this week, and it's going to be cold. So this, I'm looking forward to that side of the Super Bowl. My sure thing is going to be a little close to home. A sure thing is come Super Bowl time, there will be an Arizona Wildcat alum that wins a Super Bowl ring, whether it's Nick Foles or Rob Gronkowski. (laughs) Either way, it's a sure thing that one of these Arizona Wildcats alum, Bear Down, is going to win a Super Bowl ring. Got to be happy for the program. Uh, Either way, it's going to be a great battle. I think the Patriots are going to take it, but it's going to be a great day to be a Wildcat that day. Yeah, I think the Patriots – well, let's just give our predictions here. And again, when we do that podcast, but uh, yeah, I think the Patriots are going to win it. I would love it if the Eagles won, um, but yeah, I think the Patriots are going to take it here. We'll be on the air next week, uh, so you're still going to turn the uh, TV down if you want. If you're at a party, get those views up or get those streams up. Might be a little tough though. Bring your ear. You know what? Bring your earbuds to the party next week. Download the iHeart app. Search Talk Radio 1190. Right at 6 o'clock, so you can hear the short thing. We will go play-by-play play of that. I'm sorry also today. We're running out of time. We didn't go quarter-by-quarter quarter of the Pro Bowl. But we'll talk to everybody next week here on the short thing on Talk Radio 1190. Have a great week. Thanks, guys.